Welcome to the Authorpreneur Mindset, a podcast about the writer's life and what it takes to become successful, both traditionally and as an indie. It's a podcast that takes a look at the business aspect of the publishing industry and picks it apart. If you enjoy the show and want more, you can sign up for the Steam Power Dreams mailing list to receive emails with valuable information right in your inbox. Just head over to steampowerdreams.com slash authorpreneurmindset to sign up now. Every entrepreneur has a story. For some, it's a story of struggle and perseverance. For others, of passion and the love of what they do. But each one is unique. Today marks a special part of my journey as both an authorpreneur and a podcaster, as I bring to you the first Authorpreneur Mindset interview. His name is Jeremy Menefee, and he has been through a lot. A tragic accident, homelessness, and most importantly, success. He was able to not only push beyond the type of barriers that stop many from succeeding, but do so in a way that helped him rise above and beyond what maybe even he thought he could. This interview was truly an inspiration to me, and I think it will be to you as well. But before we get to the interview, I want to talk a little about my personal entrepreneur journey. After taking a few months off of my current project, I finally picked it up again. It's called Kalima's Secret, and I finally finished the second draft. It wasn't an easy thing to do, since the first draft was so poorly received by my alpha readers. The truth is, it had a lot of problems. Ones that I was too close to the project to see at first. However, I think with the help of those who read it, as well as those I have talked to about the story, it has come a long way and become something pretty great. Next, I'll be doing a full rewrite, and then it'll go back to beta readers, and then I'm going to start book two. The plan is to have the first two books written out fully and start on the third before I do the final pass of the first book, and then of course get it to an editor. At this point, I'll start writing the fourth book before I even publish the first three. This is a strategy we're going to talk about more in upcoming episodes, but to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, it isn't uncommon for a new author or an author entering into a new genre to publish two or three books in rapid succession within the first month to help the series get a jump start. I'm really excited about this and trying to get it all done before the end of the year, but seeing how it's already over seven months into the year, I know it's a really lofty goal, but one I'm willing to tackle. And the last thing I'm going to mention before we start the interview is if you'd like to support the show, there are three ways to go about it. The first is simply by buying my books on Amazon. You get a good book, I get a few dollars. It's real simple. The second is through our Scrivener affiliate program. For that, just head over to steampowerdreams.com Scrivener. That's an easy and free way to help out if you're going to buy Scrivener anyway. And finally, possibly the best way to show your support is actually on Patreon at steampowerdreams.com Patreon. For as little as a couple dollars a month, you can help the show more than you could imagine. Plus, once we hit $30 a month mark, all Patreon backers will get a special monthly episode of the podcast that is only for them, answering any questions you might have. I have other awesome rewards planned for the future, but that's the first goal we need to hit. So just head over to steampowerdreams.com Patreon to link directly to our page. Alright, now let's get to this amazing interview. My guest this week is Jeremy Menefee. He's a best-selling author, both fiction and non-fiction, editor, blogger, and copywriter. But you probably never heard his name, at least not yet. This is because, so far, he's only been published as a ghostwriter. At least up until recently, and now he's working on his own series due out next year. But here's the interesting part. He's doing all of this after an accident that caused brain damage, as well as some other health problems. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. 
Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and before we get started with the interview, I did want to thank you so much for coming on because you are the first guest of the Entrepreneur Mindset. Yeah, I'm honored. Yes, uh, and uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Okay, um, well, my name is Jeremy, and uh, I've been a writer and editor for a couple of decades. Um, I got started helping my dad out. He was a journalist, and um, then in the early 90s, uh, I ghost wrote a couple of tech books um, for some pretty big names in the industry through my connections that I made, you know, through my dad. Mm. And then during the dot-com boom, um, you know, public relations was just booming. They couldn't get enough people. So, uh, yeah. you know, an agency that was just starting out gave me a chance um, to work with them. And we started out in his garage and ended up being kind of a big thing in, in the Silicon Valley. Uh, but most of that was writing, um, you know, whether I was writing pitches or copywriting or doing, you know, what they call advertorials, um, you know, which is ghostwriting mm. uh, still. Yeah. And out of all the things I did, I just really enjoyed writing the most. Um, and then, you know, when the dot com crash happened, I, I took a few years off. But even in the job uh, that I was doing then, I was doing all the writing um in-house for the company I worked for. Okay. Um, and then eventually I just, when, when that company went under, um, I decided, you know, I've, I've just been writing and editing for so long and it's what I enjoy. Uh, I might as well just do that. So I've been doing that since then. And what, what year was that about? <laughs> that would have been, um, about 2014 is when I, I kind of got started doing that instead. Okay. Okay. Writing instead. <clears throat> Um, and when did you add editing to your uh, list of things that you do? Well, I've always been, um, you know, deeply involved in editing. Uh, you know, when I worked at the agency, a lot of what we did was uh, taking the client input and editing that in. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I've always done editing. But as far as deciding to add that to my, my services, uh, pretty much it was in... Uh, late 2015 kind of after I, I had gotten started writing fiction okay okay um you know i just really loved fiction and i've always enjoyed editing um so i just kind of mixed the two yeah that that sounds really cool yeah i'm kind of like you in the way that every job i've ever had pretty much um even if it's like has nothing to do with writing i right. tend, huh right yeah I, I tend to be writing and I mean, like, or editing or both. And when I was uh, even working in education, it would be like most of the other people I was working with would write like a paragraph or two and I'd write like a page or two. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to, I mean, I've been trying to write uh, professionally all my life pretty much, even when I was a teenager. Um, and I always made excuses for reasons that I didn't do it. But the truth mm -hmm. is that I was, uh, I just wasn't confident in myself um, until more recently. So, sure. uh, yeah, so, but when I lost my job last year, um, going full-time writing, editing, and my publishing and everything, uh, it's been a huge change, not only for, for me, but, um, you know, for the company that I've created. So I understand, you know, it's like the writing is, is in you, you know, the writing and editing, just that whole industry, it's, it's kind of inborn. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's kind of the same situation with me, uh, you know, and it's amazing how often I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So have you ever written for yourself, um, or is this project that you have upcoming your first real attempt to write under your own name? Uh, yeah, I've never written under my own name before. Um, so right now I've got uh, a, a trilogy that I'm writing um, in the paranormal urban fantasy, mm -hmm. um, and then my ghostwriting how-to book. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that'll be coming out soon. Are you? Uh, is that going to be under your name? Yeah, yeah, that'll be under my name, and that's being uh, published through a small press. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's something that I'm definitely going to pick up. It looks very interesting from what um, we've talked about. Uh, you want to talk a little more, bit more about that now, or is it still kind of not want to talk about it? Oh, no, I can talk about it. Um, you know, I, uh, I realize that a lot of people, um, you know, when they're starting out, uh, they maybe publish books that aren't ready for prime time. Maybe they can't afford, uh, you know, an editor or, um, you know, they just don't have the experience under their belt yet to, to really nail the, nail the prose. Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing about ghostwriting, uh, in fiction at least is that, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter. Um, I mean, yes, you have to turn in a good product, but it's the storytelling that the clients care more about because they're going to hire an editor anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so kind of the focus of the novel is using ghostwriting to uh, really launch your writing career in terms of getting a few books, uh, you know, experience under your belt, uh, you know, mastering the craft. Um, but also because they pay you for it, it will fund your own book when you get ready to hire an editor and a cover designer and all that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've been actually, I've been considering doing some ghostwriting lately, but I have nowhere, no idea where to start. So I'm definitely interested in that. Yeah, that book, uh, I really made a, a, a point of focusing on a step-by-step -step process. Mm, okay, that's uh, good. And it includes, you know, where to find clients and, and, and how to approach them. Um, so it's, it's really kind of an all in one how to for a beginning ghostwriter. That's great. That's great. Um, definitely gonna, um, pick that up and I'll, I'll definitely, um, after I get my hands on it, I'll definitely be promoting it, um, to the podcast because I think it's something that a lot of people who will be listening to this show would be interested in. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I appreciate that. And really there's just so many more people looking for writers than there are writers. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem comes in when people try to get you to write things for one cent a word or half a cent a word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, when you first start out, you might have to do one of those. And really, when you think about it, even getting paid to, to at half a cent uh, a word, um, you know, that's not a lot. But when you consider that you're getting paid to, to turn out your first, you know, crappy novel, mm. um, you know, it's better than than publishing your own first book and and maybe damaging your credibility. That's that's very true. I never thought about it that way. Very true. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about um, the accident that you had, and can you kind of tell us what exactly happened? Yeah, um, I mean, it was late at night, and I was driving home, and uh, you know, it's a it's a four lane highway um, in Seattle, well, south of Seattle. Okay, yeah, and. Um, you know, this drunk driver with no headlights on crossed over and it was just an off-center head-on collision. Um, wow. How long ago was that? Oh, goodness. This would have been, I think, 96. Oh, um, okay. 
the problem is that, you know, I have a lot of amnesia um, mm-hmm. around that time. Yeah, it makes sense. So I can't remember exactly. Um, you know, actually, I've, I've forgotten most of my childhood and pretty much all of the next six months. Wow. So, yeah, the combined speed was uh, about 110 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's now, what's crazy. Funny, what's funny is the, the police found like several kilograms of cocaine in his trunk and he was drunk. Uh, so they arrested him and, and flew him um, to a Harborview Medical Center, you know, the trauma center. Uh-huh. Uh, and he escaped from there and fled to Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's crazy. an interesting story right there. I mean, yeah. well, I, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, you know, I've been in some small accidents. I couldn't even imagine what that would have been like. But wow. Um, what other health issues has it caused besides uh, the amnesia? Um, you know, my big thing, the big thing that I struggle with daily really is, is the memory issues, not, not the amnesia, but just nothing really moves from short-term memory to long-term memory. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, for the first year I had like a 10 second memory, mm. uh, which was rough, but, yeah. um, you know, and I still remember the very first memory that, that like stuck, I was sitting at a computer and I was just very confused at what was going on. And I remember that now. Uh, even so, um, but you know, I learned to adapt, you know, you write things down. Um, I live by my, my little notepad that I keep with me. Okay. That's yeah, that's good. So you use a notepad. Do you basically just, if, if you're thinking about something, do you write it down? Is it still, I mean, it's been years now, like you said, is it still something you do all the time or have you kind of been able to get away from that? Um, you know, some things have gotten better. Um, but even so, I still kind of have to write it down right away. Um, most of the time, if I say, oh, you know, I'll write it down, you know, in a minute when I'm done doing whatever I'm doing right now, uh, I won't remember it. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good practice for people even who don't have memory issues is writing things down on the spot. Because, I mean, me personally, I, I forget a lot. So I could even I could imagine how much that helps you if you write it down in the moment. Yeah. Um, so how mentally like as in like uh motivationally and um inspirationally how did you get over your accident in order to kind of move on and not only that but go in into an industry that takes a lot of um a lot of remembering a lot of you know dedication and and you're 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 working solo right you you work alone yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have to push yourself and you have to be your own inspiration. So how did you kind of get over that hump of like um, when you started working as a freelancer to push yourself into this, even even the, with the health problems you've had? Well, I mean, I, I was pretty depressed there for a while. Um, but over the next couple of years, you know, things started getting better enough. Mm hmm. Um, to where if I worked real hard at it and I, I, I wrote everything down, I could keep track of everything. Um, and I think really that writing helped me recover, um, just because after a a traumatic brain injury, um, you know, a lot of what your brain does kind of rewires itself. It reroutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it trained some things I can do really well. Uh, and, and writing is one of them. I can, I can keep on target, but you know, I have a, a very detailed 
list of scenes and so on and characters that I, I just have to refer to it all the time mm-hmm. while I'm writing. Interesting, yeah. Uh, the main reason I, I wanted to go over your accident uh, in such detail and how you've kind mm-hmm. of compensated for that is uh, when I was creating this podcast, I, I did a lot of uh, talking with people, you know, the community, writing community, and a lot mm-hmm. of them were interested in um, this type of uh overcoming because a lot of as you probably know a lot of writers suffer from anxiety from depression from yeah. other health issues and um so having someone like you on the show i think is very very inspirational to those of us and i include myself in this with with these problems anxiety or, or depression um so thank you so much for sharing the story of you know your accident and uh what you've done um how you've been able to compensate a little bit uh, I think it's very inspirational, and I know, I know, for me personally, it is definitely. Well, I, I really appreciate that, and you know, if it, if it helps anyone get motivated to do this, uh, I really hope that you know they take that that step. Um, you know, I suffer from anxiety also, uh, you know, and PTSD. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I understand what they're going through, and I think that if I can do it, uh, I think anybody can do it. You know, if they put their mind to it and have the right set of circumstances yeah, or, or make the right set. As much as it is for hard for me to believe that on some days because of my own anxiety and depression, uh, I, I I do think that that's true. I think that, um, you know, you just have to push and overcome and rely on your strengths, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's talk about growing up. Uh, where were you born and raised? Um, well, I was, bo- you know, a lot of this is fuzzy. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I lived on a farm in Virginia <clears throat> as a small kid until I was maybe nine or 10. And then I moved to California in the Bay Area, in Northern California, uh, where I stayed until I moved to Washington after I got out of the Marine Corps. Okay, so, yeah, I, th- I think uh, where you lived in Bay Area is about a half hour from me. So around yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I was in uh, San Jose mostly. Yep. yep. About a half hour. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and w- what age did you move up to? Um, Seattle area, uh, 21, 22, oh, okay. somewhere in there. Okay. Okay. And, um, uh, how was, I mean, as much as you can remember, how was life like when you were young, your parents, did do you have any siblings? Uh, I have a half brother, but I don't, I don't know him. Oh, okay. Uh, my parents kind of went their separate ways when I was very little. Oh, okay. And I moved back and forth between them, you know, my whole life. It was always moving every six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I lived in one place for more than a year until I was in my twenties. Wow, yeah. that's that's interesting too. Did um, do you think that that affected you in a way that changed your own life? Um, and I'm thinking more about um, the fact that you're very independent with freelancing and everything. And do you think that you you probably had to grow up pretty independent? So do you think that that actually influenced you now? Um, you know, I think I'm kind of used to doing things on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, when you move around a lot, you kind of have to entertain yourself a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I left home when I was 15 and I was in the foster care system until I was 18. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And, uh, so, you know, when you're in that situation, you know, everybody's experience of that is different, but it's pretty lonely. So I think that it definitely did kind of maybe predispose me towards being good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just because uh, I am okay, you know, working on my own. And, uh, you know, if I, if I want to talk to people, you know, I can reach out online or, uh, you know, my friends, but for most of the day I'm alone and I kind of like it that way. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I like it that way too. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, did you, do you know if you read a lot when you were young or is that, do you read a lot now? Um, well, I don't read as much as I would like to now, uh, mm-hmm. just because I'm so busy. Um, you know, I just, I don't have time between family and work. Uh, but I read constantly as a kid. Um, I remember I read, uh, the Chronicles of Amber by Roger Zelazny when I was nine. Mm. Um, and I think reading was, was definitely a lifesaver. It was an escape for me and it kept me out of a lot of trouble. That's good. I, I always tell people, uh, and I, I kind of, it's one of those things I've grown in. I've, I've learned to accept, but I didn't read as a kid. I didn't read as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think I ever finished a book until I was 16. Yeah. And that is, to me, that's crazy because I've, I've been writing since I was like five. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been writing fiction since I was like five or six. So the fact that I never finished a book um, has always, you know, I was one of those people that were like, oh, you don't need to read to, you don't need to read to be a good writer. And uh, when I got into my 20s and I started reading, I really realized how important it is to being a good writer is to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what genres do you tend to read nowadays? Um, you know, for the most part, I'm reading uh, science fiction and fantasy. Uh, I really love paranormal, you know, the urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I probably end up reading more sci-fi than anything else. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I find myself reading a lot of sci-fi these days for some reason. Um, I've never have in the past. This is like the first time I've been obsessed with sci-fi. Uh, I, I'm usually more fantasy, steampunk, um, mm-hmm. you know, even post-apocalyptic, uh, non-sci-fi, like post-apocalyptic uh, fantasy. Oh, I read a lot of that, too. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, and for some reason lately, um, one of my one of my favorite authors, Lindsay Brokar, she started a new series, and uh, a while back, and it was sci-fi, and I got really hooked on that. So now I just can't get enough sci-fi. Uh, I just read uh, one. It was a first-person sci-fi book, and I'm not a fan of first-person books, but this one's really good. Let me let me get the name of it while I. Okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, it it was about a 18 year old woman who wins a spaceship in a card game oh wow yeah okay and she the reality of what it means to actually be the captain of a crew and all this stuff uh is is really cool it's called the drifters alliance by ellie case i'll have to check that out yeah it's definitely um if if you don't mind the first uh, first person narrative it's it's a good book and even then i suggest trying it because um it's the first first-person book I've ever liked. Uh, the author writes very well, so definitely something to check out. Yeah, I'm not usually a fan of that either, but the Chronicles of Amber are still my favorite uh, series ever, oh, okay. and they're, they're first-person also. So, I mean, it can be done really well. Oh, yeah, it can be. Certain authors can do an amazing job with it, but it's really hard to do a good job. So I, I tend to tell new authors to stay away from it. Yeah, I'm writing in third person myself. So. Yeah, that's what I always write into. Uh, all right, so when, how long ago did you start writing um, fiction? Uh, was it before ghostwriting, or was that kind of what got you into writing fiction? Uh, the ghostwriting was what got me into writing fiction. Um, it's kind of an interesting story. 
uh, I was contacted by a Pakistani gentleman, um, and he had seen my profile on Goodreads just because of the, you know, some, I had a lot of books uh-huh. and on it, it mentioned that I was a freelance writer. So he went and checked out my website and my LinkedIn. And then he contacted me and asked me if I would be interested. And I, I told him, uh, you know, I've never written anything really with, with fiction. Um, I mean, I said I can do it, but yeah, uh, you know, it's not my, my forte. And he said, well, um, you know, maybe we can work on this and, and, uh, you'll find it something that you like. And he was, he was right. Uh, my goal, <laughs> my goal since then has been to transition into only writing fiction. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, if, if, if I had a choice of what to do with my life, it would be full-time fiction writer. Um, and even for editing, like, I'm not a big fan of copy editing. I'd much rather do the developmental editing. Yeah, see, I don't do that at all. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I don't know. Copy editing makes me so nervous that I'm gonna mess <laughs> up. And I've been doing copy editing in one way or another for the past uh, what, ten years. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. Not not professionally until more recently, but you know, I I did a lot of copy editing while I was in college for mm-hmm. um for other students for. Even even times where the teacher would ask me to help out, you know, and and do some copy editing, so I know I can do it. But it's one of those things; it makes me so nervous that I'm going <laughs> to mess up. Yeah, and yeah, that that actually stems from editing my own books uh, when I first started writing fiction. And I know it's a you know it's a very bad to edit your own books. At the time, I didn't realize it. Right. And so the first short story that I have out there, I should really take it off the market, but um, it's <laughs> really poorly edited because it was edited by myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's, it, I think that's what it stems from, you know, but. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. All right. So let's keep going with your life. So are you married? Um, not technically. Not technically. Okay. Are you with someone? Yeah, I've been with the same person <laughs> for seven years oh, okay. now. Okay. Uh, her son calls me dad, you know, it's, oh, that's nice. we're a family. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You don't, you don't need that piece of paper to make you a family. Definitely. Exactly. That, uh, we consider ourselves married, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, how old is the son or her son? He's 10. 10. Oh, that's, yeah. that's nice. That's nice. Um, so you talked a little about other jobs you've had. Um, what, uh, like, can you talk a little more about the step of jobs? You said you um, went to the, you said Marine Corps, right? Yeah. So out of the Marine Corps, what did you um, get in, in order to make a living? Well, right out of the Marine Corps, um, you know, I was working two or three jobs at a time. Um, you know, it, I just, uh, I worked in security for a while just because that seems to be what people do when they get out of the service. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, that lasted maybe six months. And then I got called down to the, the Bay Area to do the, the public relations. Oh, okay. And I did that for, between that and freelancing, I was doing public relations for seven, eight years. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the reason I asked about other work is because another thing that a lot of writers talk about is how they jump from one job to another. A lot oh, of yeah. times never last, lasting. Um, so I was curious if that was something you experienced or you were, but you seem like you were more, uh, you're pretty, you had a pretty stable job for a while. It sounds like. 
Yeah, for a while. Um, basically, when I started uh, kind of adding freelance to my um, PR thing, I just didn't want to go into the office anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I didn't. And I just went full-time freelance. Nice, nice. Uh, but after the, the dot-com crash, you know, there, there just weren't any clients anymore. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I took my, uh, you know, I had a lot of experience from my PR days working with, um, you know, CEOs and so on of, of the client companies. Um, and so I got hired on between that and my security experience to, to be just the uh, operations manager for a small security company. And, uh, you know, I did all the writing for them. I did their ads. I did their, their handbooks. Uh, so, again, most of what I was doing, um, you know, not to mention the report writing. Um, so most of what I was doing was was writing and editing even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, go ahead. Uh, just, you know, when that company closed is when uh, I just said, forget it, and, and went into writing and editing full time for myself. Oh, so you were almost almost forced into well, not forced, but you were uh, pushed into going full time uh, yeah. freelance, and that's nice. That's I think that that's that's also something that's very common with freelancers, entrepreneurs. Is you know they they have that push that finally pushes them towards mm-hmm. you know doing it, <laughs> whatever it yeah. might be. Um, yeah. Unlike me, who I went from zero to a hundred uh, overnight, basically, uh, and I don't recommend that because. It's not the best way to do it, and even after a year, it's it's not working as I'd love to. Um, sure. But it's, it's great that you were able to do that. It's able, you were able to transition from you know uh, the part time freelancing, part time day job to full time freelancing. So was it was it pretty smooth for you? Did you were you able to get enough clients and make a living and everything? Um, you know, actually, I went homeless for like a year. Okay. Um. But that whole year, I was working hard on building up clients mm-hmm. and, and, and so on on the business writing. Wow. Uh, and, you know, the copywriting. And, uh, you know, eventually I got back on my feet, of course. Yeah. And, and that's some. So you were homeless for a full year. Where, where did you stay? That was, uh, I was in Denver during okay. that time just because uh, it was warm and they kind of have a, a good support system out there. Uh huh. Uh, and the VA helped me, you know, get back on my feet too. So. Yeah, that, that's good. Wow. Yes, that's another really inspirational uh, point for people, you know, because I've actually heard that a lot too. Is is these a lot of the writers? They they um, uh, a lot of the entrepreneurs. I mean, they mm-hmm. they tend to have these these stories where they struggle for a year, two years, three years, and um, you're actually not the first. Uh, person I've talked to recently that said that they were homeless for a short period of time um, before getting back yeah. on their feet and then making something of themselves not just not just uh not just you know back to normal but actually going above and beyond what they were before and so, doing what what drives them exactly a lot of times I, I think what happens is um, you know after you have just a run of bad luck I mean how many people are one paycheck away from being there yeah and you have a run of bad luck. And you realize that, you know, relying on other people like a boss or a company to be loyal to you is, I mean, that's a sucker's bet. Yeah, definitely. You should, you know, anybody, I, I believe this for anybody. I don't care who you are or how stable you think you are with your job. 
multiple sources of income are so important these days. Absolutely. You know, even if you're only making a small percentage of your money on the side, you know, doing some writing or even selling on eBay, you know, having mm-hmm. that second income, if things go bad, is so important these days. It certainly would make it easier to, to transition into doing something else quickly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I, I often look back and, and wish I had um, pushed more for Steam Power Dreams before I lost my job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, yeah. I've learned my my lesson now and uh, realizing that that multiple uh, income streams is it for most people. I truly believe that it is the, the future. Um, I, I don't see I see in, you know, 10, 20 years. I don't see the average person working eight hours a day in an office anymore. I just don't see it. Um, we're, we yeah. have a lot of automation coming out. We have a lot of, you know, things like that that are going to take away, not jobs in particular, but take um, the, a lot of the menial tasks away from certain jobs. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that we're, we're in a transition phase right now with technology that's going to change the way people work um, within the next 20, 30 years. They're, they're going to replace truck drivers, and that's been uh, kind of a traditional blue-collar good job. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, all that's going, you know, self-driving trucks, yep. and um, they've got robots replacing fast food workers now. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, I, I think that you're right. Yeah, I just uh, think I just... the <laughs> time of, you know, the standard lifelong job is, is, is done. At least for now. I mean, we may come back to that in the future. Right. But I don't think it's something that in our lifetime uh, will ever be the same like it was for our parents or our parents' parents, you know? Yeah, I I think I agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, So what was the first writing project that you can remember completing? Um, After I went freelance? Um, Whichever, I mean, if... If there's something you can remember that was uh, impactful in your life before that, or uh, or ghostwriting, either way, um, you know the first things I remember finishing were um, a couple of chapters in a uh, a technology book on writing batch programming mm. um, way back in the day when you know batch files were the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I can't say the name of the book, but oh yeah, um, of course. But that was the first thing I completed, and the book did really well, and I was, you know, really proud of my my result there. And just being able to finish something and be proud of it was kind of a, a new experience for me at the time. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that was a really foundation level experience for me. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I think whenever, I, I think one of the biggest things is is at least for me, cause I have been writing my whole life, but. I don't remember what I did as a kid, uh, even as a teenager and early mm-hmm. 20s. It was it was the first full length thing that I finished. And it was just it's something I'll never forget. You know, and I think that that um, that drives me even today. Do you still get that uh, get a, a sense of, of almost being high after you finish something? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I actually uh, get that more often than I might. Maybe I should. I actually get it sometimes even after I finish a chapter, <laughs> but I, I think that that that's a, that's a great feeling. And it's something that, that really can drive you too. So. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of the best feeling in the world. I agree. It's up there. <laughs> I agree. Um, so speaking on that, um, 
do you when you write do you go into that that zone where you just forget where you are where you uh don't even realize like if people are around you um do you get in that zone when you write yeah yeah i do um my house is pretty busy a lot of times Uh and uh, unless it's unless it's really an obnoxious level of noise I, i do just tune it out and get um kind of a hard focus Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the rest of the time I kind of have, you know, hyper, you know, I'm hyper. Yeah. I look calm, but I'm always bouncing from thing to thing to thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when I'm writing, I just have that hard focus and eight hours can go by and I look up and wow, it's this day flew by. <laughs> yeah. When I wrote my first novel, um, it's one that hasn't been published yet. I actually wrote it at a Starbucks, a busy Starbucks. Wow. And, I remember there were times where for like an hour at a time, I would just not even remember where I was and or the people around me. It would just be like all of a sudden I wrote like 4,000 words and I'd look up, I'd look up and I'd be like, Oh, I forgot I was at Starbucks. Right. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's a great feeling. Obviously that's, uh, and that, that kind of goes with that high that you were talking about. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you get on that and it just feels so good that you just want to keep going too. I think that's a, a trait that creatives have. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I know some like, uh, painters and some other artists that say the same thing. So definitely, definitely more of a creative trait. Interesting. Uh, all right. So do you have any stories, either positive stories or funny stories about, um, (laughs) editing or ghostwriting that you'd like to share? Um, well, uh, you know, talking about my first, uh, fiction client, um, you know, hooking up with him on, on Goodreads was, mm. was, uh, kind of my funny story. Yeah, definitely. That, that's one that, you know, it, to me, it's one of those things like that you'd never expect. And when it happens, you're just sitting there like, I, I mean, I don't know how you felt at the time, but almost like, is mm-hmm. this really happening? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And uh, I ended up writing two, two books for him. Oh, um, nice. And they were 70 K words each. And, uh, I wrote each of them in 30 days. Nice. Um, but this guy, you know, he just had a story burning in him and it was a really great story, but he didn't have the, the writing skills or the English skills to do it justice. Uh, and that's why he hired me. Um, and what's, what's amusing about that is even though I finished them in 30 days each, mm-hmm. we spent the next six months in, in just, revision hell oh, um, yeah. he, he was very particular and we'd end up editing the same thing three or four times um so not only did i learn uh, a valuable clause to put in my contracts after that <laughs> yeah um, but what's funny is as terrible as that experience was at the time going through all that editing uh it was like a super intensive writing boot camp oh um, yeah i just learned so many things that didn't work just by following his directions and telling him this is not working. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think I probably gained three years of experience in just that six months. That's great. That's great. So you mentioned, um, you know, uh, contracts for uh, ghostwriting. So what kind of, now that that you're a seasoned ghostwriter, what kind of clauses do you put in there for uh, ghostwriting contracts to make sure that you don't get overworked or uh, taken advantage of? Um, well, I have two that I just insist on, and these are, you know, in my ghostwriting book too, but, um, I'll share them here. 
the first one is that uh, I give them 15 minutes a month on the phone mm-hmm. uh, for free just to kind of go over things. Um, but if it's going to take longer than that, they're paying me 40 bucks an hour to do it. No, I like that one. I, I definitely like that one. I'm the same way with my editing. Um, in general, it's <laughs> like if it, I'll give you a certain amount of free, you know, conversation time, but if you go over mm-hmm. it, it's going to cost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And emails are always free, but, but that phone time, that's, that's prime time. So yeah, you know, and my, my time is worth money. Their time is worth money. Exactly. Um, you know, and I'm not earning money if I'm talking to them. Yep. Uh, and the second one um, is is kind of related. It's about you know protecting my time um, when I'm editing uh, or even writing a, a book. Um, you know, I'll I'll do a small amount of revision uh, for free afterwards. Um, but the way I have it phrased is I don't I won't go over twenty five more than twenty five percent of each chapter. Like not the whole book, but each mm-hmm. chapter, okay. uh, you know, and, and that way they can't have, and I'll only do it once. Uh, mm-hmm. After that, you know, I'm happy to do it, but they're going to have to pay me for that time because, uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote the book, um, you know, they made their revisions and that free time allows me to take their revisions and just kind of smooth them into the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they want me to rewrite things, um, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I always make it a point to get them to sign off on the outline first, which is another trick that I put in the book. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and that way they can't, you know, they, if they have a problem with the way the story is going, we'll discover it in the outline. Yeah. You know, before I have to rewrite 10,000 words. Yeah. That, that's, that would be definitely wouldn't be good. I mean, I've had, um, one of my first editing jobs, I didn't have any of these, you know, provisions in, and I found myself, mm-hmm. um, uh, for a certain part of the gig, I found myself earning dollars on the hour, you know, like literally like $5 an hour uh, for that yeah. project. So, uh, yeah, I've definitely learned to put in things like that for myself, mm-hmm. for my editing. Um, but it's good to know for uh, ghostwriting, too, because I never thought about these things. You know, to me, ghostwriting is, and, and I should know better, it shouldn't be as sim- this simple, but ghostwriting is you get your contract, you write the book, you give it to them, you're done. But it's not really like that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we want to make it as much like that as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the same time, we want to we want them to give us good ratings, be a referral, um, and, and especially when you're ghostwriting, you don't have a portfolio. All you have is referrals. Yeah, yeah. So the more you underpromise and overdeliver, the more referrals you're going to get. <clears throat> One thing that I don't know if you've ever done this or you've ever had a client that would be willing to do this. Uh, one thing that I did with the one ghostwriting contract that I've, I have, um, it's mm-hmm. an ongoing one, is I told the, the person, I said, sure, I don't mind ghostwriting this for you. But I want to be able to tell people that I helped you write it. I don't want my book on the cover or anything, but I want to put it in my portfolio as something that mm-hmm. I co-written. And she was fine with that. So um, is that something that you think many clients would be against or is that something you've ever tried? Um, you know, I put that in my uh, contracts and it always gets struck out. Yeah. But it's worth trying. And I think that if a client is doing it to make money, I, I can definitely see why they wouldn't want you to say, Hey, I wrote this. Right. Um, my client is definitely kind of like your first client. She has a story and she just wants it written. Um, yeah. 
and she does all the revisions and she does uh, the blending herself. Um, okay. And basically, I've written every other chapter for her is what it's come down to be. Um, and so I just told her, I said, you know, I'm writing a lot of it. So as long as I can put it in my portfolio, I don't need my name on the book or anything just to tell people, hey, you know, I helped. And she was fine yeah. with that. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Another thing a lot of them will, will do is, uh, especially if they're, if they're not writing it for business, if it's, you know, just one of those passionate people, um, sometimes they'll, they'll let you put your name as a co-author as well. Yeah, and that, the other book I'm actually doing, um, the author is talking about putting me as a co-author. So, um, mm -hmm. and that's that's the a rewrite that I'm doing. So we'll see if that pans out. I don't really mind if she doesn't. Right. It's, it's more um, as long as the book is good and gets out there, I'm proud of it. And that's another client actually that uh, I will be labeled as the editor. So I'm fine with that. Isn't it kind of amazing how you get attached to these these books that oh, yeah. don't have your name on them? Especially, um, well, ghostwriting writing, I can definitely see, um, but my developmental editing. When I do developmental editing, mm -hmm. I I have to remember not to take it personal when they when they're like, oh, I don't like that idea. Right. You know, it's yeah. like it's like, but yeah. it's the best idea. Right. And yeah. you're very excited about it. Yeah, and they're just like, I don't think so. Yeah, I talk about that in the book too because. Really, I think psychologically, that's one of the big barriers people will have to ghostwriting is just, you know, they wrote it, they want credit for it. You know, I get that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's <laughs> let's go back to your personal writing and um, the trilogy that you're writing. Uh, okay. Do you want to tell a little bit more about the story or is that you want to keep that under wraps for right now? Um, You know, I want to keep it under wraps for right now. I'll just say that, uh, you know, it's. It's based on some obscure Bible verses, um, and it's it's not Christian fiction, mm. um, but those verses kind of inspired the idea of it. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of twists in it, and and you know, it's it's. I always try to be respectful of people's beliefs, so it's not going to be offensive to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely a. a a different way of looking at things when there's nothing else written to tell you how to look at it. You know, yeah. there's tradition, but there's not, uh, there's not a lot of things written about it. So I can, I'm, I'm free to go any direction I want with it. Yeah. That's, that's always good. Uh, one of my books is, has a religious undertone and, um, it, it is a, it is a sensitive subject, you know, cause you, you say the wrong thing, even if, even if you don't mean it, uh, in a way that's anti-religion, people can really take it that way. Yeah. So, well, you know, people a lot of times confuse what your characters say with what you think. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. I mean, you just, you have to be careful to treat it with kid gloves when you're, when you're dealing with people's deeply held beliefs. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so how, how often do you, are you writing, um, for yourself right now? Well, I'm trying to write, uh, 500 words a day on short stories that are in the same universe. Oh, okay. And, that's, that's cool. And I'll put those out as I'm writing the trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not directly connected, um, but just sort of peripherally and in the same universe. Mm, interesting. Uh, and then I try to write at least a thousand words a day on the trilogy. Okay. And at that rate, you know, I'll be able to write 300,000 words in a year. Easy. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And how are you balancing that with uh, copywriting and ghost or copy uh, 
ghost writing and editing and and everything else. <laughs> Sometimes badly. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, you know, I went through a week where I didn't touch my own books. Um, just I was so busy with deadlines. Yeah. Uh, on, on a ghostwriting book in particular, but I had a, a two week gap between that book and the next one. Uh, so I, you know, I got caught up during that time. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, you got to keep all these balls in the air and just juggle them. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, sometimes something's got to give and more often than it should be, that's family time, you know, and I got to be reminded to spend time with my family sometimes because I just get so obsessed. With, oh, I, with I know books. what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I sometimes sit here and I only have my wife. Uh, we don't have any kids yet, but, um, mm-hmm. sitting here sometimes, when I'm getting really into my writing or even an editing project or whatever I'm doing and, you know, she'll all of a sudden be like, you know, I got home like four hours ago and you haven't even paid attention to me. And I'm like, you've been home yeah. for four hours. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, so it's like, okay, I got to take a break, watch some TV. But then, uh, you know, I always sneak back to my computer an hour later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. All right. Uh, so this change from working for someone else to working for yourself, obviously we've talked a lot about that and how you've mm-hmm. managed to do that and maintain um, a living. But other than money-wise, money uh, and how has freelancing and writing and editing changed your life um, since you've started? Um, well, you know, we talked about, you know, feelings of anxiety before just – uh, you know, an anxiety condition, um, and depression, uh, really being able to fend for my family, doing what I love and not worrying about whether I'm going to get laid off, mm-hmm. um, has just helped tremendously with, with both those things, anxiety and depression. Um, I mean, you know, the, the depression is a lifelong struggle, but, mm-hmm. Uh, it really helps when you can look at your accomplishments and you're continuing to accomplish things, um, you know, with each book that you write. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and being able to just sit at home and if I want to take a day off from writing, I know, you know, I don't have to ask anybody. I'm not going to get fired. Uh, I'm not going to come up short on rent because I'll just make it up the next day. Yeah. And, and free is awesome. Yeah, I think one of the things that I learned is literally for for freelancing, for uh, entrepreneurs, the harder you work, the more you can get out of it, you know. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you could take a day off and it might mean you work, you know, a lot harder the next day, but you don't lose anything. Not like, um, you know, with a job where, you know, you don't get back that money If, if you don't go in that day you lose that money, you know, unless you right. have paid time off. But then even then you lose that paid time. Off. Right. That's going to come out of your vacation. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I learned that lesson last year. Um, you know, I had to take a, a week and a half off of, of working. So instead of, you know, worrying about that week and a half, what I did is for the two weeks beforehand, I worked twice as hard. Right. And, you know, so I knew that was upcoming. So, you know, I got finished with all my projects two weeks early and um, it felt good. And I was able to enjoy enjoy what I did for those two that week and a half. And I think that that's very unique to, you know, the freelancer, the um, entrepreneur, but even more so the writer, because, you know, 
you're talking about writing, you know, 1500 words a day, basically for yourself right now. Um, mm -hmm. That's easy to make up. You know, if, if you take a day off writing an extra 1500 yeah. words is, is not too hard, you know? Right. Um, I know my goal for my personal writing is uh, 2000 words a day. So on days when I don't write, um, unless I go like four or five days, it's, it's, it's really easy to make it up. And I think that that's, um, that is something unique to, to writing um, because, you know, just put in that extra hour, two hours and, and you can definitely right. make it up. Yeah. And you don't have to make it all up, you know, the next day with an extra shift, you can just work an extra hour for the next week. Yep. Yeah. Cause if, if you have that deadline of two months from now or, or a month from now, yeah, you could spread out that thousand words or whatever over a couple of days. Definitely a lot less stressful than, you know, um, you have to have that report on the desk by Friday. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, I use a online app to, uh, you know, I plug in my start date and my end date and the number of words and it tells me how many words I have to write each day. Oh, nice. And I plug in how many words I do write and it automatically adjusts the rest of the days. Oh, okay. That, that's really nice. I, whenever I do NaNoWriMo, I actually do that on a spreadsheet, but I didn't realize there was a, a website for that. Yeah. I used to do it on a spreadsheet too, but the website just handles it uh, pretty elegantly. That's nice. Uh, if you want the URL. Yeah, sure. It's, um, right track, like W R I T E track dot David S Gale, G A L E.com. All right. I have it written down and I will put it in the show notes as well. So if anybody cool. wants to grab it from the show notes, they can. Yeah. It's a really cool application. Oh, I'll definitely look and into it for myself too. All right, so you've been doing this for a long time now. So if you could look back and tell your young writer self or, or freelancer self or however you want to look at it, um, mm -hmm. some advice on how to get started and the advice that you would give to yourself back then, what would it be? Well, back then I would have said uh, write 10 novels so when the ebook revolution comes, you're set. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but um, I think now the the single best advice i can give uh is a outline and b write every day those are that's great advice um the second one i really need to take because i can find the oddest ways to convince myself not to write every day sure <laughs> and it's been like that forever um you know and i think that that is something that i i'm going to definitely work on and some great advice Definitely great advice. Having deadlines helps. Yeah. Even if you set them yourself, it's better than not having any deadline at all. I know uh, I have a loose deadline for, for myself, um, and that's basically I need to write one novel a year. Okay, yeah. And even though I know I can write a lot more than that, as long as I get that done, I feel accomplished. And so far, three years in a row, I've, I've, I've been able to do that. So Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So one final question. It's a question I'm going to ask every guest on this show. If you okay. had a mascot or avatar that represents what you're doing right now, meaning you're writing, editing, you're freelancing, you're ghostwriting, what would it be? Oh, um, you know, I'd have to say an elephant. An elephant. Uh, I, love, I love elephants. I have a cool ceramic elephant on my desk. Uh, and I say elephants because... Uh, an elephant can do a tremendous amount of work when it wants to, but if it doesn't want to, you know, who's going to make them do it? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, 
That's interesting. I, I, I really like that. That's a great answer. Um, you know, and if not an elephant, then a platypus, because just my career and my writing is just as jumbled up as those things. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are both great answers. Um, do you want to share where people can find you online? Um, yeah, my writing website is um, jsmenefee.wordpress.com. All right. What are, any social networks you want to share? Yeah, I'm on um, Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash author J.S. Menifee. And that's my Twitter handle, too, is uh, at author J.S. Menifee. All right. Awesome. And I got those written down, and those will also be in the show notes if anybody Thank wants you. to grab them. Um, anything you want to tell the listeners before we end the interview? Um, <clears throat> I think that it's important to to have personal writing goals and determine how you're going to measure success for yourself. Um, because everybody's career is different. Everybody's path is different. Uh, I, I think that if you set your goals and do your research and work toward it, uh, this is one of the few fields where you can be successful if you put in the work, uh, pretty much regardless of, of anything else going on. Um, so like my goal is eventually that I won't be ghostwriting and I won't be copywriting. I'll just be writing my own books. Uh, That's and, definitely the dream. Yeah. And, and this is one of the few things where, where I can just put that into my goals, plug it in and, and adjust and make that happen. I think you're definitely on your way. I think you, you have a, you have a great plan ahead of you. Um, we talked a little bit more about it offline. So I know what you're planning for your trilogy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think you have a great plan, and I think that you're going to be very successful, uh, more successful, I should say. And I'm really looking forward to everything you're you're coming out with, your uh, fiction and nonfiction. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time, and truly inspirational. And I think that this this conversation will will help a lot of people um, just kind of take a step back and look at their lives and and realize that they can do it too. So thanks for sharing everything. And I'd love to have you back on in the future, uh, closer to the release of the first book in your series. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, that was it. The interview with Jeremy Menifee. It truly was an honor to talk with him and hear his story. I was truly inspired. Before we end the episode, I just want to let you know that in preparation for the release of his book, on ghostwriting. He's actually written a short ebook named Three Easy Outlines for Ghostwriters. Quickly write novels that rock. And it's on Amazon as well as Instant Freebie. If that sounds like something you might be interested in, just head over to steampowereddreams.com slash Jeremy M for more information. That's it for the show. Have a great week and keep moving forward. The music for the podcast, named Funky Element, provided by Ben Sound at bensound.com. <laughs>